out of tuners. I'm Erin. I'm Victoria. I'm Hebeke. And this is Out of Tune. Well, we are back for another episode. I'm very excited. Mm-hmm. Um, tuning today was brought to you by I'm not sure. Um, (laughs) it was a clip that I found on YouTube actually today. And since I know that the three of us are fans of ASMR, um, what caught me was the title. Uh, it was like, uh, binaural audio of tuning. Like you're actually there. It was like a really long title, but anyway, and so I listened to it. Hopefully it translate on to the to the beginning of this episode so if you're listening with headphones you'll get the full effect but it's like you're really there you hear some things on the left you hear some things on the right some people chatting and like you're sitting in your seat at a concert so i was very into it um that is actually really cool yeah yeah so y'all are gonna have to listen because you haven't heard it yet so (laughs) um but yeah so that was fun. And then I didn't say last week's. Um, last week didn't have a thing either. I think it was actually um, a computer orchestra, like a computer, whatever those things are called. I don't know what they're called. Midi a digitized file. orchestra. Not a MIDI file, but like those things that you can buy to like notate things on GarageBand mm-hmm. or like Finale and it's like the instruments, like that like digital orchestra thing. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> is that our future? Are they going to take our jobs away? Please don't. <laughs> Please don't. Um, no. But, um, yeah, that was that was um, the audio for Marie's. It was actually really nice, though. It was really satisfying. Um, and so was this week's. So, anyway, Ooh. both of these episodes have been, like, not real instruments. <laughs> so, um, That's okay. Are we looking into the future? I don't know. But anyway... <laughs> I digress. Um, today we're talking about Ethel Smythe. Woo. Another wonderful female composer. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, let's dive right in. I was really excited to get to know her because I really didn't know anything about her before. Mm. So, yeah. Yeah. I remember we talked about her last year uh, with Marie. I think all of us were involved in like hoping to create a women's ensemble mm-hmm. like like covid you know destroys everything but i remember we were looking at ethel smythe just because she has like she's such a you'll learn but she's very involved in like the women's suffragist movement so it's just cool yeah. and she's from england she did all of her work in england Thank um god which is different i don't know i guess yeah i don't yeah. know yeah i had heard of um Ethel Smythe my junior year of undergrad I played the concerto for violin horn and orchestra but it was a piano reduction um so that was my first uh like hearing of her like the first time I had heard of her so that's really I'm cool particularly yeah. excited to talk about her yeah <laughs> well her back her upbringing i don't know it's pretty like basic stuff <laughs> grew up with a family you know um what well, she had a family <laughs> oh my god i don't know it was pretty like standard i think um mm-hmm. but she did fight with her father on doing her career in music eventually went to leipzig conservatory but she left because of the low standards of teaching 
working. <laughs> yeah, didn't she? That's... Like after a year, she left to study yeah. like a private tutor. Mm -hmm. And then I also thought that her family didn't, or like they disapproved of her becoming a composer. Yeah, uh, I think so. Her father was that. against it, and they yeah they had a hard time. But then she finally went to Leipzig. But the the reason she had to go out, I like to move from the conservatory i thought it was just amazing she should be like nah this is not my level let me find something better <laughs> yeah, yeah she i've like read i think it was a program now oh i can't remember which orchestra i um and <laughs> it was talking about how she felt it was inadequate to like her knowledge level i mean you know what she was probably right you probably know? she's obviously too smart for a lot of people based off of her accomplishments so yeah yes. yeah but okay <laughs> what i thought was cool was both in school and through her private studies she met Dvorak, Grieg, Tchaikovsky, Brahms, and Clara Schumann. Isn't I don't know. I find it interesting to because you don't usually think of like composers in terms of actual like the time period. Mm. You know, I yeah. don't know. So I, like I would have thought she was more contemporary, like contemporary in quotes, mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. you know, a later composer, I guess. But mm -hmm. really, no, she was around at the same exact time as all of these other guys, and Clara. Yeah. Um, it's it's crazy because I also don't think like how the composers actually interacted with each other mm -hmm. uh, or at least the same ones that were in the same time, age. Yeah. Or... It's very interesting. Or even thinking of like a master class with Tchaikovsky, like I guess why else would he be there but to do something with the composition students, you know? Mm. Or maybe they met at a concert or something, but it's just crazy to think about. Yeah. Um, and then just like some of her important works um, were The Wreckers, which is an opera, which is con considered to be one of the most imp oh my gosh, important British works of the time period. Hmm. And then another opera, Der Wald, the only opera written by women that was performed by the New York Met for a hundred year time span. Wow. Yeah. Hmm. That sucks. That does suck. I mean, it's like great that her work was. But they did one, you know. Yeah, but the, the only one. Come on. But... I know, man. Okay. But some of the takeaway. I mean, I, I think her career as a suffragist is really interesting. Mm -hmm. But before I go on, because that's what I think separates her. There's really a really the good yes, because there's a really good anecdote, and you may say it, Aaron, but I. Yeah, I'll if you don't, in a you know, yeah, if you don't, I'll say it. <laughs> but before we move on to that stuff, just like some things about her being a woman composer, she like particularly struggled with it just because she was criticized for writing music that was too masculine and writing music that was too like she couldn't too feminine, so she couldn't right. find like in the public's eye. She got a lot of criticism either way, like no matter what she did, whether it was masculine or too feminine, like not standing up to the male counterparts and there's always the issue of like they're not just a composer they're a female composer but it's but it's hard to change that rhetoric now it's been so long you know and it is something we do actually have to focus on you know because there is a difference it's like you know how you Obama is the first black president. Of course, he was just a president. In his skin color, is just black. And Ethel Smith is a composer 
who just happens to also be a woman. Like, you wish it wasn't the primary focus of her career. Absolutely, yeah. Mm -hmm. But I took a quote from, I'll be honest, the Wikipedia article, but I thought it just summarized it really good. Totally, yeah, go ahead. I forget who it's from, but Smythe's music was seldom evaluated as simply the work of a composer among composers, but as that of a woman composer. This worked to keep her on the margins of the profession and, coupled with the double standard of sexual aesthetics, also placed her in a double bind. On the one hand, when she composed powerful, rhythmically vital music, it was said that her work lacked feminine charm. On the other, when she produced delicate, melodious compositions, she was accused of not measuring up to the artistic standards of her male colleagues. I thought that was great. That is great. Hmm. It's, it's such a, you know, you can't win ever. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. And but... I feel like she, with her like like suffragette identity as well, she was trying to win. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, she was trying to change it, and she, I mean, she did. Like, obviously, she said she did. Like, um, the suffragette movement is powerful and iconic so yeah changed a lot of things i thought it was awesome that she actually uh spared two years of her life like she stopped composing stopping music to Mm -hmm. focus on that i thought it was awesome yeah yeah going off of what hebeka said she did take a full full two years which also i don't know just a long time it is a long time, but also I feel like more musicians go through that than we talk about taking time off for whatever, you know, their own life or their That's other interests, true. which I think this is a great example because it's not like it stopped her com- compositional career to take two years off to participate in something else she thought was valuable. Mm. Um, but she joined the Women's Social and Political Union uh, and where it ties in with music, her song the march of the women mm-hmm. became the anthem of the movement and mm-hmm. it's a unison song with the optional piano accompaniment composed on a <laughs> traditional italian melody which i don't know for me it feels like music history class to read that because it's like okay clearly she was writing for a bunch of like not really musicians so mm-hmm. it's a unison simple optional yeah, and, accompaniment. and if it was on you said it was on an existing tune yeah so maybe it was one that people already knew maybe mm-hmm. yeah and but it's weird what's weird you just said like you feel like you're in music history class <laughs> because we talked about ethel smite but not really? anything about yes it's like in the back of my mind it was like she was one of like we did like a woman composers like week oh weeks. i can't remember exactly for sure but we did talk about her and also but i didn't know anything about her suffragette cause like anything i when we were when we decided Hmm. to do like to focus on her all of this was like brand new information so strange you'd think they'd bring it up yeah like that's obviously like a huge part of her her life and also like her music so yeah anyway i digress again (laughs) but somebody called it described it as a hymn and a call to battle like at the same time Mm. which makes sense because like church melodies are often the same kind of like unison stuff easy to sing and call to battle because it's like duh they're using it for this cause yeah um can i say my anecdote yeah say the anecdote i think i know what it is okay i'm gonna read just this tiny little paragraph i found in the manchester symphony orchestra program notes okay 
So she, talking about she gave up composing for two years to devote herself to the suffragettes cause and spent two years in Holloway prison for her pains and for throwing stones through the windows of conservatives opposed to the vote for women, obviously. Mm -hmm. (laughs) The suffragettes had adopted her March of the Women as their anthem. Then the next sentence is Sir Thomas Beecham, who is um, in like an English conductor, once visited the prison where he saw a group of women singing that anthem while the composer, Ethel Smythe, from an upper window conducted them with a toothbrush. <laughs> yeah. Iconic. <laughs> I know. Literally just... so iconic. Also, I just love the image because um, it was like a call for all of the people, all of the members of the union to you know throw stones into the windows yeah into the politicians houses i mean that's effective it's yeah but it's the point across it's so cool and then they all went to prison for it which sucks but yeah it it sucks like it makes sense i mean it makes sense but i like that they took that action you know because normally women you're like okay marching in our dresses but no throwing stones at houses oh my god i wish that was something we could do i would love to do that oh my god i mean (laughs) (laughs) i mean not actually for legal purposes but um i mean that if i was living in that age heck yeah i'd be throwing stones in some windows Mm -hmm. like i want to vote give me my vote like (laughs) women's yeah. rights yeah heck yeah can you imagine how like yeah how yeah. it would be at that time like being in that position it was really outstanding really mm-hmm. it, it was really hard she was really brave for doing she that. was very brave and then yeah i don't know when i don't i don't know okay i don't know my history like years wise but something else that kind of uh when i something that she accomplishment she got was that she was made a dame of the british empire at yes. the age of 36 that seems so young to me yeah and dame i had to look it up cuz i was i didn't know what it meant but it's like the female equivalent of knighthood yeah it's like a honor it's like a yeah. like an award almost mm-hmm. um and she was the first female composer to be awarded that yeah again see didn't learn this in my music history class but here i am mm-hmm. learning about it now so Isn't something like that we should actually have we should actually have this information in our yeah like yeah. this is stuff that i feel like i should have learned about like yeah we looked at her music we listened to it it was great she was a woman composer we talked about boom done yeah. nothing else she's like on the list yeah yeah i i loved her compositions uh the piano trio with cello and violin mm. it got me some amy beach vibes what do you guys think absolutely i feel like amy beach and her are like the pioneers of mm. their respective countries like yeah also you know. interesting um she seems to be like pretty openly, well, I guess for the time, I'm like surprised openly bisexual. Mm. Um, cause Thank she, God. she, uh, was with the one of her librettists who he was the only guy, but it looks like all the, all of her other like significant others were women. Mm-hmm. But it's like she wrote 
in letters and stuff about i don't know to me it seems like pretty open but mm -hmm. that's I think pretty it's, unique it's it's yeah i think it's super unique i think it's also fantastic yeah yeah i didn't yeah. know about that that's iconic it's <laughs> Yes, Rebecca, it's so iconic. <laughs> um, I think that's why the um, horn player that I did the horn and violin concerto with is um, non-binary. So they were nice. looking for composers who identified within the LGBTQ plus community. That is, so. yeah, man, yeah. this woman. She seems so, like... She, like she had a good attitude about it the whole time you know like conducting mm -hmm. singing in person like she seems like a very positive person absolutely mm. um yeah. can i talk a little bit about the violin horn orchestra concerto mm -hmm. so something i didn't realize and i tisk myself i uh for not doing my um research when I was actually playing this piece I kind of um like I knew like it was written in like 1927 like I knew kind of that kind of stuff towards the end of her life she died in 1940 something 44 I think um and but I didn't realize something I found out that she it's obviously a late work and she was on the verge of deafness when she started writing it mm -hmm. um which I didn't realize and I don't know why that seems to make a profound statement to me but I don't know I didn't know that and I think it's kind of incredible that when you're at the very end of near the very end of your life you're losing your hearing and then you you're able to compose something that's just so incredible yeah beautiful I could never do that because I feel like I rely so much on my ears also I just can't compose period but like how, to not be able to maybe hear something or maybe once it's completed you can't hear it full like yeah. the performance oh anyway that just made a profound moment yeah. or impression on me when i read about that the first thing that came to my mind was like so we praise beethoven for his geniuses but why can't we why don't we praise her for doing that mm -hmm. what yeah. is the difference he, yeah. he she was also compo I don't know was she composing when she was dead that or I don't she, I or she I just didn't, couldn't listen to like the she the was premiere. I think it was that she was on the verge of deaf deafness when she so she's losing her hearing it's like obvious she hadn't lost okay. it completely yet though I see. um but I also feel like like when you're at that point though you're still missing things you know yeah um definitely so to me that's just incredible i just mm -hmm. don't know how i don't know how to do that uh i could not do that <laughs> it really um, requires like extra something i don't yeah. know what and what i extra what i <laughs> what i also find interesting is that it's called concerto for violin horn and orchestra mm -hmm. so like Okay, it's a concerto for everyone involved, yeah. <laughs> um, which I find really cool. And also, um, I feel like for this time, violin and French horn are like not commonly paired together. Like that's an unusual um, instrumentation. Mm -hmm. yeah. 
So it was also new for me when I, I had never played with any wind brass instrument ever. Um, but it was a super uh, fulfilling experience uh, because there's so many different things. I don't know. It was just a new sound for me. And then it really inspired me later to do different instrumentations or, or groups. So for my senior year and my recital, I did a piece um, with my good friend Tom who plays saxophone. And we did a violin and saxophone piece. Um, so, I mean, it opened up a whole new world for me. Um, can I play a little bit of yes. the... Yes, of the, okay. yes. She'd be bold doing this instrumentation so early. <laughs> <laughs> she, she was ahead of her time. snippet wow, a minute it's yeah, really right? pleasant it's yeah. it's it has such an open sound to me mm -hmm. like i don't know the harmony just seems to be like open intervals fits octaves even between there's a couple places uh later in the first movement that are it's like really open intervals between the violin and horn mm -hmm. um and then the second movement is glorious and the third movement is fast and i think it's also the longest movement pretty sure um so i highly suggest everyone go listen to it yeah um, yes yeah all right and i thought it would be a fun question when we do these like composer history mm. uh, episodes what can we learn from ethel Smythe and her past mm. I think it, for me, it's just like to be fearless because mm. she had so many obstacles, obviously, but she seems to have just taken them all in stride without like looking back or having second thoughts, you know, she just like did it. I mean, obviously, there was probably some personal struggle, but it seems mm. like she just didn't have any fears. She was really groundbreaking. Yeah. Going off of yours a little bit, I feel like with something... I don't know, just based off her life, I think it's to not be afraid to take chances or to take mm -hmm. um, opportunities or to be afraid to be who you really are. Obviously, mm -hmm. she broke a lot of boundaries, just her herself, like who she was being an individual, mm. but also her as a composer as well. I feel like she was breaking boundaries, doing new things, telling that conservatory, you know what, this isn't for me. I need to True. go somewhere else. Um yeah, I, I respect that, knowing knowing what she needs. I feel like I need to figure that out still. Yeah. Like, I need to center myself around, like, what what do I need to do? What is this the best place for me? Is this the right thing for me? 
stuff like that mm -hmm. yeah i think for me well i definitely agree with you guys i got the same feelings from her i just love the series that we do with the composers because we just learn so much from them uh okay so i think i would say the thing that i got it is not to look to the circumstances she didn't care about like um what people thought of her or what people would say of uh, oh being a woman composer she just did what she wanted to do mm -hmm. and just went for it and fought for what she believed and not looking to the circumstances yeah i love that yeah totally i love ethel big fan of ethel me too um she's good she's up there for me totally she's Definitely my playlist now. Mm. <laughs> mm. Well, right. Should we Question. move on to the second half? <laughs> yeah, of the second the act. <laughs> the second act. That's what we should call it. Okay. <laughs> okay. First act, second act. I'm a yeah. fan. Aaron. <laughs> I think you thought of it. Did I? Like one of you two <laughs> thought of it. It wasn't me. It was definitely Victoria. It was not, it, it, Victoria? Definitely not me. Someone <laughs> needs to pull up the receipts because I have we'll no see. idea. Whatever. I've been like trying to think like prelude, uh, postlude. That, that's Alamond. Not... <laughs> Alamond. Sarah Bond. <laughs> Intermezzo. Oh my God. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's hysterical. Um, okay. Yeah, that's not it. First act, second act. Well, let's move on to the second act. Um, All right. Aaron thought of this idea. I'm, <laughs> yeah, I'm talking about our experiences at summer festivals or summer camps. Look, so I'm thinking this can anyone anyone who's been to a summer you can go on for days with stories about summer festivals. Absolutely. So I figure just tell like a, a significant story, and this is something we can do multiple times because this is know, a multi part series. You, you can always find this is like one. Okay, I thought of this because I have some friends who, who this was at Green Mountain. Oh. Like, there's no point in hiding who, who, no. what it was. Say when it was, <laughs> where it was, who it was. Just kidding. <laughs> so it was like in Green Mountain, and I have some friends who also went to Green Mountain. And when we had the quartet episode, uh, oh, right. my friend was like, why didn't you talk about this one thing? Like, this specific, what I'm going to talk about. I was like, man, I don't know. I'm shocked it didn't come up because it was it wasn't a string quartet, which is I think why because oh, it was a piano quartet. Mm. Uh huh. It's like filed away in different memories or like yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was a piano quartet, but it was quite possibly like the worst chamber. Like I'm not gonna. Oh no, no, don't sugarcoat, please. Other people in the group, I'm sure, would agree. Like the worst chamber music experience I've ever had. Because number one, I think our group was like fine. Like, we were matched well, I think, like, experience-wise. Ability-wise, um, yeah. Ability-wise. But our coach, I think he he's nasty for no reason. Mm. Um, I think that's his teaching style. And for me, like, that does not compute. It doesn't work. It Same. doesn't work. If somebody's, like, I get it. But I think there needs to be a healthy, like, balance of nasty and, like, I don't even think you don't have to be mean to make people learn opinion yeah. hot take um <laughs> hot take number one you can yeah. be nice <laughs> you can be nice yeah but he was just a jerk he and we had a viola coach for a while and i think i 
this we just I didn't click with this field coach. I also took lessons from him, and we just didn't click. He's a great teacher. I get why people like him, but mm-hmm. it just wasn't for me at the time. And I, so I had this. We had the viola professor coach us for like a week or two, and I remember when the piano coach came back, the nasty man. He's he was I was still messing something up. Like there was just one easy part that I just could not for the life of me get. It was like an ensemble type thing or what were phrasing. You Wait, can I ask you what you? What were yeah, you it was the foray piano quartet. Well, I've never played before. Hmm. It's like French. Me- I have difficulty phrasing in French. I'm kind of the same way. French music kind of messes with my head a little bit. I don't know, but I still was messing up this phrasing, and I remember him saying, "You had a viola coach for two weeks, and you're still messing this up." And I was like, "Oh my god!" I cr- like spent the rest of the day crying and stuff. Because, duh, it was traumatizing. Well, also because, like, he's saying that in front of, like, your group. Yeah. Yeah, that's not that's not nice. I know. And or he could say it in a different way. Just, like, be nice about it or, or tell like, me. How can how can we help you with this? Or, you know. Yeah, because I just, he, I don't know. To me, nobody ever really explained how I should phrase that line clearly. And I still would probably mess it up. But other issues with the group was our cellist, uh... There was one day when he decided to skip rehearsal to go drink downtown and watch a soccer game (laughs) in a bar. And then he also one time showed up to rehearsal drunk. And I think I remember like me and the violinist like talked about it like that's unacceptable. That's not okay. It's like, duh, of course it's not okay. Mm. And then we just argued all the time, me and this cellist. I, nobody has ever gotten me this mad. And I'm a pretty calm person. I'm pretty chill. But mm-hmm. there was a, a rehearsal when, you know, when you like stop, but sometimes other group members don't realize that you've stopped playing and they keep going. Yes. Well, I he do. kept doing that like all day and it was his solo. So and this was like the last straw. I, it was a night rehearsal too because we'd rehearse like twice in the day. Not required, by the way. And I was in two groups, so I was always exhausted by rehearsal number two at this piano quartet. Um and he just wouldn't stop after we had all stopped playing. And he was still going with his solo. And I, like, m- motioned my bow towards him as, like, a like, funny, hey, like, hush, quiet, like, <laughs> stop playing now. Um, which is, like, fine. It's freaking fine. But he, like, almost hit me because he went crazy. And, like, the motion he did was, like, a giant up bow but it like almost hit me so i freaked out duh of course because it scared me and then i was shouting at him and he was shouting at me and like whatever he stormed off and then me and uh the violinist and the pianist hung out and like talked about it for a little bit we like legit had to get like quartet um counseling by the oh my god by the oh my gosh by by, like the yeah, one of the faculty members, and I'm not going to pretend I was perfect. Like, obviously, he got, I let him get on my nerves so much. And there was one time when I think I said, if I, this is where I messed up. I said, and the violinist in my group, she was like, you know, you've been a little bit toxic, too. And I was like, okay. And, but she, what bothered her was I said, if I weren't in two groups, I, this festival wouldn't be worth my money. Which, like, I think it was fair because this I mean, group traumatized me. Not yeah. That's a strong word. But this group was just not good. Just toxic. 
Absolutely it was toxic. And, although I can recognize that for some people that's their that is their only experience. Like I mm. do feel lucky that I had another group, which was one of the best chamber music experiences in my life. Like I had wow. the worst and the best all in one summer. Wow. I always after I hear like stories like this, I always and I think I say this every time I go to like a summer festival or I've been to a summer camp. It should be a reality TV show. Like I know, make so much money. They just thought you were going to say something so serious, so like deep. Nope. No, but it should though. Like, think about it. I mean, what happens at summer festivals or like summer camps that are musicians? That's a reality. That's Jersey Shore. Literally like it is it's also sometimes like keeping up with the kardashians like all of the like the little hot gossip or like the the confessionals where they're like wow she's such she's just so mean blah, 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 blah. <laughs> like you know or like america's next top model like come on like it would be so good oh my god i would we watch should, it we should have confessionals we should have good- oh my gosh could you imagine <laughs> just record it yourself that would be so funny oh my god it's like also- TikTok confessionals yes literally or also like even music school like in college yeah reality tv all the I- hot gossip going on all the different relationships the breakups oh my god you're on the quartet something. the quartet rehearsals everything and just have cameras everywhere Oh my god, and you know how they have like challenges on America's Next Top Model? It's like yes, I do. the challenges yeah. are like the recitals. <laughs> like the go sees. That's the finale. Oh my, oh my gosh. I love America's Next Top Model. <laughs> the go sees. Oh my god, you unlocked a memory. <laughs> I've been like rewatching, like having it in the background as I do things recently. And I mean I watched that as a kid mm-hmm. in middle school and not knowing then that it was so problematic yeah you watch those old seasons boy some of the (laughs) things they say it's just like how is that allowed on tv um (laughs) anyway um wow anyway my response to that is that sounds terrible however i really enjoyed listening to it (laughs) (laughs) looking back and it just solidifies my belief that it should be a reality tv show Mm -hmm. people would watch they would like, if the Duggars can have a reality TV show, music school can as well. I agree. That's all I have to say. Um, <laughs> did you have another story? No. No, no that's okay. it. We'll save well, the good ones for later. <laughs> mine's not... Um, mine is not uh, as long as yours, but it's something that I wasn't even there to witness, but I saw the aftermath. Mm. So this was mm, eighth grade. I went to a summer camp called Cannon Music Camp in Boone, North Carolina at the university or Appalachian State University. Um, gorgeous area, hills, North Carolina hills, you know, like App- Appalachia, whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was like the first week. Um, and it takes over like the music school at um, Appalachian State and everything. And someone was walking down the hall with, like, their violin out of its case, right? hmm And apparently, I wasn't there to witness it, but when we said that we were going to talk about, like, horror stories or something of, like, summer music camps, this, like, was the first thing to come to my mind. As they were walking down the hallway with their violin out, someone opened the door to, like, a studio, and the doorknob went through their instrument. 
and I saw the aftermath of it. You guys, seeing the inside of a violin when there's like a hole in it is super interesting. <laughs> interesting. <laughs> um, he was crying. I'd be yeah. crying too. Um, I think he was like, I don't, I think he was like a ninth, ninth or 10th grade. Um, that's really only my story. It's just that someone was walking and like, also, I mean, there's a lot of things here. He got, of course there was like drama about whose fault it was. They were going to have to pay for it. Like they, or the person whose violin it was, was like, I'm not paying for it. I, you know, mm-hmm. causing like a lot of like, you know, drama. Um, yeah. And I, I mean, for good reason, but also like, I don't know. It's not the person's fault who was opening the door. Right. That they were there and you were walking with your violin out. Just like in, like in the, like you're just holding it in a yeah. hallway. And how, how are you holding it? So that, I don't know, there's a lot of things I really wish I would have witnessed. I think they must have just been holding it with, like, their right hand and the door was on the That's right side of I the hall. I was thinking, but who holds their violin with their right hand? That's or maybe something... the door was on the left side of the See, hall? yeah, who knows? I've thought, know. of, I've thought about this for a long time. I can definitely see it. People open doors. Like, they're just Absolutely. opening a door. Doors yeah. are dangerous. Yeah. Um, and then another thing happened where we were having orchestra rehearsal and one of the second violins, we heard this like, like, a like it sounded like a big pencil breaking and someone sat on their bow. Jesus. <laughs> oh my God. Let me tell you, <laughs> they cried too. <laughs> um, of course. Cause it's like, I mean, I think it's only like high, like incoming ninth graders up to 12th grade was like the um the ages I mean I had a great time at that summer camp that was so much fun um and I was in quartet and I was concert master and I was blah 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 it was just a fun time like that was a fun trip um but (laughs) there was always like kind of traumatic experiences for two people (laughs) yeah man yeah so um those are my horror stories of summer camp. <laughs> I want to know where the, I f- can't remember their names for the life of me. Um, I want to know where they are. If they're yeah. if they ever listen to this podcast, send me a text, send me a message. Let yeah. me know what happened to your violin. Obviously, I don't think the bow could be replaced because it literally like broke in the middle. Like they put their bow like on the seat, which like we've all done that before. But like you sat on it, like how could you? SMH, you know, just like oh my gosh. Um. So anyway, those are my two little horror stories from the same camp, same time. So I count that as like, I'll think of more later for other times. Um, Yeah. Well, um, I don't have many stories from like festivals, but I do remember one. I was very young. I think I was eight or nine years old and we were with my school program in another state, in another city, mm. and we were there with another orchestra too, using the same building, like, um, same dorms. Mm. So, uh, I just remember that one night, everybody, like, it was like the first or second night, everybody was still like getting to know each other with the other orchestra. And we we're all very young. Maybe I was, I was probably the youngest, but uh, we had also 13, 14 like, kids in our group. And one of the nights they decided to play Seek and Hide. And it was 
like during the night mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. you can really see and the place mm-hmm. that we had the dorms um it was it was not in the city so it had a lot of like green like a lot of green a lot of trees a, a, li- a little bit of hill hills and in one of those hills one of the girls that was playing she felt and broke her arm oh my god oh my the gosh day of the festival and she was and it's a music camp too <laughs> i mean i'm telling you music camps reality show like <laughs> could you imagine like that drama right there of this girl's second day she's so excited and she falls and breaks her arm Jeez. like <laughs> that is hide and seek like hide and seek oh i feel so bad oh my gosh yeah. so she had to put uh, how do you say plaster? Like a cast. Mm-hmm. Cast. She had yeah. to use a cast, and she obviously couldn't like do anything for yeah. the rest of the play, anything for the rest of the yeah. festival. <laughs> See, I would want the reality TV show there for to like for like the counselors or the teachers while that was happening. Like <laughs> this girl went to go outside and play, and blah 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 blah, and she broke her arm, and I had to take her to the hospital. Like. <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah just remember my our professor she was so mad she was like See? this mm. cute uh, japanese lady and Aww. she was like how dare you and i am responsible for you your mother your family is in another state how you how dare you do that to me you're supposed to be studying <laughs> oh my gosh <laughs> How dare you do that to me? Oh my How God. dare you do this to me? How dare you break your arm and make it to my me. responsibility? <laughs> <laughs> wow. Oh, I feel bad for that really, girl now. It was really stressful at the moment, but now oh. it's funny. Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, I have another story. It was <gasps> uh, very like closer. It was, I think, well, not closer. Now that I think it's like seven years. Wow. <laughs> Anyways, I was in my first or second year of high school and I just started I was just starting to use makeup and I really I didn't really know how to use so I was just like looking to my friends and using some right before mm. going out to the classes we would have like the orchestra in the morning and afternoon the master classes and at night we would have some concerts to go mm. to choose and and I remember, like, in the second week, things were not going well in the orchestra for me. I was, like, having a hard time. And I was very... Uh, I was one of the youngest two in that orchestra. So I slept in one day. <gasps> oh, no. And then I was like, oh, no. How... Should I go? Should I even go? I think I was not that late. But then when I, I just wanted to put something on my face so you wouldn't, like, look that I was sleeping and then when I, I just put like powder so I was like this huge like ghost walking getting late <laughs> in the orchestra and then of course of course ev- uh, like everybody saw me getting in the concert hall and, and we were like practicing and the, on the stage so I had to go through all the first violin stands oh my gosh and the second row of first violins and the first row of seconds to get to my place and in one of those 
it was so tight because there were so many people on like on stage. I just bumped into one of the stands and they fell. Oh my god. All the music, <laughs> all the papers, one by one, fell. <laughs> and then the conductor, he stopped. He, like, nothing happened. He didn't say anything. But he stopped the orchestra. Oh. Everybody was waiting for me to sit. I was like, I was not white anymore, right? I was red. <laughs> And I uh, had yeah, like it couldn't even help the guy to get the his music because it was so tight I couldn't even like get Oh my to the gosh! Floor. Wow! Yeah, so that happened. Oh my! I think it's funny because like a growing up like <laughs> it's almost like the first a, time it's like the walk of shame but in broad daylight in <laughs> front of everyone. <laughs> <laughs> I, well, after, I think after one day or two days, my friend, she came to me and said, Hey, Beck, I think we should um, talk about the way you're using your makeup. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh my god! she told me later, she told me like, oh yeah, a few people came to ask me to talk to you. What? Why? That's people terrible. Saying, like, She's not using it right. Just do it. <laughs> Just oh my gosh. It I feel yeah. like everyone goes through like the I'm starting to use makeup and I feel like I look great but I don't phase. Yeah. <laughs> the way that you were saying I look like a ghost. <laughs> I don't know why but that just really is no. so funny to me. <laughs> but just imagine I was using someone else's powder or foundation oh, and she was very very she was whiter than me. I'm kind mm -hmm. of yellow so it was not my tone. And I was just using that, so that was the only thing that I had in my face. I didn't have anything to put some color on, something that it would look more human, you know? I find this so funny. I keep we having to like, suppress my laughter so it doesn't take over the podcast. <laughs> oh my gosh. The way I, I just know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like when I first started using, like, foundation and powder and I would play, because also Florida's, like, hot, so, like, you go to school and you like you get oily you know you get sweat mm -hmm. and I would play on my violin and I'd like take my chin off and my entire chin rest is just like white from my up, yeah. and then I'd like look at my chin and there's like an imprint of where my chin rest would be I just don't put makeup over here <laughs> I I like break out only in this area where I have my chin rest so. I get it yeah me too yeah I it's the curse I will never have clear skin in that area of my face and you know what? I've accepted it. I, I don't think any violins will ever have. Um, no, there's. I always have like, like breakouts or like a zit or something in that area. It's really it's rude, like, honestly. Ouch! Also, because you have to put pressure. Yeah, in there. and like if it hurts, you gotta su suck it up. Too bad. <laughs> so I used to put makeup on it. Now I don't. Like I used to wear makeup every day, and then I got to college and went, "What's the point?" Yeah. <laughs> so. Well, now wow. I'm in the I other place. Now I don't use only foundation, you guys, okay? I, I put some blush on. I put some <laughs> color. Now I look more human, right? You look like a human. You, look, a you literally look like you don't wear makeup. When yeah, you told me, I, I, was I, told, I remember one time I like complimented you on like your skin. You're like, oh, it's just makeup. I said, no, it's not. You just have beautiful skin. It is. God, it's definitely makeup, you guys. And see, every time I've complimented, no, you go, no, I have makeup on it. No, Rebecca, it's not the makeup. Okay. <laughs> <Aww>. Yeah. <laughs> Naturally beautiful. Aww. 
Well, okay, so we're going to uh, move on to uh-huh. my segment of because we didn't get to do it last week, which is fine. We had a very special guest for me last week, but uh, on this day in music history, yay! Yeah. Um, okay, <clears throat> so I have a couple actually. Yeah. So it, today in 1859, uh, Brahms's first piano concerto premiered in Hanover. And then Aaron, you'll love this one. Oh my in God. 1934, Shostakovich's opera Lady Macbeth was uh, was debuted in Leningrad today. Damn. Okay, that's the beginning of the end for Shosty right there. Yeah, literally the beginning of the end where he was. They were like, you know what? Uh, we don't like that piece. You're gonna. 1934. Be scared of your life now from now oh, on. Oh, man. <laughs> Poor guy. Jesus. Poor guy. Um, so, yeah, that was the most interesting things that I found uh, in today's history. Thank uh, you, Victoria. Which we are recording on January 22nd. So if anyone wants a reference, uh, that is what happened. That's nice. Rebecca. <laughs> okay. So now we go to the word of the day. And this time I'm prepared, you guys. Yeah. Yay. Oh my gosh. I'm so excited. <laughs> so I always try to think about something that is related to the episode, right? So mm. today's word is protestar. Ooh. Pro- protestar. Protestar. Yeah. Protester. Good. Or protesting. Yeah. It like to protest. Ooh. Yes. That's a good one. Protestar. 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 Yeah. Hmm. Nice. I love. You know, I texted Gabriel the other day. <laughs> um, not a word that we've. I texted him maravillosa. Maravillosa? Maravillosa. Yeah. Maravillosa. Yeah. Which is like marvelous, right? Ooh. We were talking because I. A long story short, got a new sonata for my recital, right? And I was just texting him about it. And he was like saying, we're going to sound great. I was like, we're going to sound maravillosa. And then he texted me back in Portuguese, like grammar rules. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> no, no, it was funny. It was so funny. I was that like, was I'm going to have to work on my grammar. <laughs> I don't even know what he said, but something about, and he like put, this is how what you use for like when it's plural or whatever, blah, blah, blah. Oh, yeah. Weird. It was really cute though. I wasn't, that's, that's I just so thought it was cute. so funny. <laughs> um but yeah. yeah so that happened good word mm. well well it's time for the so favorite time of the day favorite time of the day favorite question of the day how was your tanning this week i can go mine was good <laughs> mine was okay. good period done i had to <laughs> oh. no i'm kidding, I'm kidding. for like well, the inauguration happened, which is just like a huge like. Yes. Overall, the country feels. I've it still work, still work, of course. But mm-hmm. overall, for the country, I think it's like a oh sick, we're back on track. Like yes. thank goodness, mm-hmm. everybody I think feels well. Everybody who thinks similarly politically to us feels better. <laughs> I feel so much better. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um. So I'm gonna give the week in. Eight out of ten. Eight just because, uh, you know, life. Little little life issues have popped up. You know. Yeah, of course. Mostly COVID related, but yeah, all fine. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I mean, my week was definitely hugely shaped by Joe Biden's inauguration. I mm-hmm. have video of me tearing up and crying when <laughs> Kamala and Joe were uh, sworn in. 
I don't know. I didn't realize I would get so emotional. I got emotional, you guys. It's a pretty um, big one. I like it kind of just hit me because I there was always this like them saying on the news of like how how much the threat level is and like mm-hmm. people on the internet of the conservative ideals like being and of, of, of like Trump's supporters um saying that it you know they're it's going to be prevented he's not going to be sworn in and then to actually just get there and everything went fine like yeah. it's just fine and obviously like the security and all of like the different like the national guard being there which is in a way really sad not in a way it is really sad um and i also like was getting upset because poor joe had to have like no one at his inauguration right and i just was like man that just sucks because he deserves to have people there but you know and i just and but he never mentioned it once like it was always like it like you know it wasn't like i feel like it didn't i don't know maybe it did affect him i don't think it did but i don't think so um but yeah i was i watched it all day i mean we yeah. had Suzu- i we had suzuki training in the morning but the moment we were done mm, that tv went on um <laughs> And I also, I mean, I had it on in the background on mute too. So like, come on. Uh, (laughs) I mean, you do what you got to do for your country, you guys. (laughs) Um, But there was just things I just couldn't miss it. I like, I, I saw when Michelle and Barack got there, Michelle looked so good, you guys. Um, Oh, I mean, Barack did too. I mean, he always looks good. So um, yeah, I, it was a good day. Wednesday was a great day. The inauguration mm-hmm. went well. Um, Kamala looked beautiful in her in her little outfit, and her family was so cute. And yeah, I had, other than that, I haven't done anything. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've been watching the news recently, yeah. just because they've started like actually having functional press like press briefings with the white house and the new press secretary so that was nice to watch Mm. jen saki if anyone cares probably not but that's okay um so yeah i'm gonna give my week an eight out of ten as well just eight because yeah COVID sucks (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) and i'm still getting really nervous about this you know the semester starting uh getting a little bit more anxious you don't have to be you are you just going to be in person for quartet Mm -hmm. at this point pretty yeah. much at this point i mean i I, I i mean yeah well that, yeah whatever quinta and then me and habeka playing our mm, yeah duet but that and then also i think for for the chamber i don't know what's happening with the chamber orchestra so more than i want to, more than i want to be uh but apparently the chamber groups with the orchestra are going to be within your own circle of people mm-hmm. so yeah hoping it'll all go over smoothly and fine so anyway i'll stop blabbing now (laughs) (laughs) well um my week was really good too yeah i think i'm now i'm starting to get back to a routine which feels Mm. really nice Mm. i was afraid i didn't want to i was very comfortable just doing nothing <laughs> of course <laughs> well life added life it's here we have responsibilities and it feels nice actually and i'm happy that i'm i'm able to go back to a routine and mm-hmm. practicing too which wow that's good I yeah i am surprised you guys 
I haven't made it there yet. <laughs> I have been playing the violin. Yeah. Wow. I'm so anyway, proud. It feels good. Um, yeah, I'm also not looking forward to the semester yet. <laughs> Just anxious about how things are going to be with COVID and mm -hmm. just yeah COVID basically sucks yeah I think I'm gonna give my week a seven okay that's Eight seven we're like right with each other right now awesome. this, is, this hasn't happened in a while right <laughs> yeah. wow I love that for us nice well, Brings us That's to the episode. end of our episode. This is a good one. Yeah, I love yeah. Ethel Smythe. I love Ethel Smythe. I love talking about like hot goss from summer <laughs> camps. Um, it's just so fun. Mm -hmm. But anyway, well, as always, tune in each Saturday for a new episode. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Out of Tune Pod. And this has been. Out of tune on Zoom. Zoom. <laughs> Bye. Bye.